You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. DDoS hits big Russian banks, and yes, IoT botnets can reach out and touch you even in Siberia. Fancy Bear's been poking at think tanks, and ESET has a rundown of Fancy's fancies over the past couple of years. DDoS can be low and slow, as well as high and noisy. Canada's Casino Rama, that's the casino's name, sustains a breach. A family of sites none of you would visit is also breached, we tell you because you're probably asking on behalf of 339 million friends. LabMD wins a stay against the FTC, and Kaspersky takes Microsoft to court in Moscow on an antitrust beef. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, November 14, 2016. Security camera-driven DDoS attacks have intermittently hit major Russian banks since November 8th. The attacks appear criminal as opposed to state-sponsored. The botnet was assembled from devices in at least 30 countries, mostly the U.S., India, and Israel. The identity, and note the location, of those responsible remains unclear. Not unclear is the identity and location of Fancy Bear. It's the GRU, probably reachable at the aquarium at the Hodinka airfield, not that we'd recommend you actually try to do so. Security analysts continue to mull Fancy Bear's post-election, post-Microsoft patch phishing romp through U.S. think tanks and other policy-wonk targets. Most see opportunistic targeting of Microsoft Zero Days before they're closed. ESET has a study of Fancy Bear's operations. ESET calls them Sednit, one of at least seven names this threat actor has been given. And it's striking how active and widespread Fancy's activities have been. ESET lists three of the group's high-profile targets. In April 2015, TV5 Monday, a major French television network. In May 2015, Germany's Bundestag. In March 2016, the U.S. Democratic National Committee. ESET invites you to draw the inference that Sednit, a.k.a. Fancy Bear, isn't shy about hitting prominent targets, and that the group's interests are, as ESET puts it in their blog post, connected to international geopolitics. It's worth noting that Fancy Bear has noisily drowned out whatever its cousin Cozy Bear has been up to. Cozy, unlike the outgoing and obstreperous Fancy, is quiet, but has been observed to establish persistence in some of the same targets compromised by Fancy, notably the U.S. Democratic National Committee. Also on the noisy side were October's distributed denial-of-service attacks, driven by the Internet of Things Mirai botnets. 
While these attacks seem to have subsided as widespread availability of the Mirai source code and competition for devices among criminal botmasters have fragmented Mirai botnets, there are other DDoS threats out there. In particular, researchers at Denmark-based TDC Security Operations Center are describing one, Black Nurse, which is a low and slow yet effective technique that exploits firewall vulnerabilities as opposed to IoT botnets. Certain firewalls are vulnerable to being clogged by a relatively low rate of traffic. As Ars Technica puts it, quote, one modest laptop can knock big servers offline, end quote. A proof-of-concept attack shows that a single laptop could deliver black nurse traffic at 180 megabits per second, more than enough to down vulnerable servers. The firewall companies don't think this is a significant threat. As Palo Alto notes, black nurse works only under certain non-default conditions that contravene best practices. In the UK, the number of customers affected by the Tesco bank fraud has been revised significantly downward from 20,000 to 9,000, but the incident continues to trouble bankers in the UK, Ireland, and to a lesser but still significant extent elsewhere. Observers have variously blamed insiders, credential stuffing, or exploitation of some third party for the heist, but others suggest weak security controls, especially weak access controls, lay at the heart of the problem, and that either internal systems or mobile applications may have been compromised. The big stick banks would wish to duck in cases like this is the penalties swung by the EU's General Data Protection Regulation, which they've got to worry about whether they've Brexited or not. In the U.S., NIST has released maritime and small business addenda to its well-received cybersecurity framework. The maritime profile specifically addresses the cyber dimensions of securing the transfer of bulk liquid cargoes, many of which are, of course, hazardous materials. The U.S. Coast Guard joined NIST in working on the document. The international U.K.-based recruitment agency, Michael Page, has sustained a data breach that it blames on a third-party contractor, Capgemini. Michael Page believes hundreds of thousands of names, email addresses, phone numbers, and other PII were inadvertently exposed on a development server. We note in passing that such exposure remains the going theory on how the shadow brokers got that equation group stuff they've been trying to auction off. Passwords may also have been compromised, although there's some hope the passwords were encrypted. The CyberWire heard from Chris Weber of security shop Centrify, who agreed that it looked like a case of third-party exposure. Quote, It appears the contractor was using actual customer data on a publicly accessible development server. While passwords were also stolen, they were at least encrypted, although we would recommend that people change them anyway, and if the same password is used for any other website, make sure those are changed too. End quote. Another breach was reported at the end of last week. A big Canadian casino, Casino Rama, disclosed that various employee, vendor, and customer data were exposed. And we note in passing that third-party risk runs both ways. In this case, it appears the casino lost records concerning some of its vendors. Ontario-based security firm eCentire's CEO Paul Haynes told the CyberWire that, quote, Overall, we've seen a rise in attacks targeting gaming institutions like casinos, end quote. The lesson is that even organizations as security-conscious as gaming companies can fall victim to increasingly sophisticated criminals. He suggests that casinos might consider continuous eyes-on-glass network monitoring. It would be analogous, perhaps, to the kind of surveillance deployed to the casino's physical floors.
Not that you'd be directly affected, but you might want to tell some of your less proper friends, all 339 million of them, that there are credible reports of a breach at Adult Friend Finder. Adam Brown, manager Security Solutions, at the security firm Synopsys, told the CyberWire, quote, In this case, verification has shown that some data is stored in clear text while passwords are encrypted with SHA-1, not enough to thwart today's adversaries. It's tough to know how an organization, adult, juvenile, senescent, or adolescent, it doesn't matter, stores and processes anyone's data in its apps and data stores. And finally, in legal news, LabMD has scored an appellate court win over the FTC. The dispute continues, but for now, LabMD has got a stay on the Federal Trade Commission's consent order in the long-standing dispute over the lab's information security practices. Kaspersky files an antitrust claim against Microsoft in a Moscow court, alleging anti-competitive biases in Windows 10 security bundle. Did Senator Sherman have a seat in the Duma, too? Who knew? Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Dale Drew. He's the chief security officer at Level 3 Communications. Uh, Dale, you know, these ongoing problems with uh, IoT devices, the Mirai botnet, things like that, uh, are these making us take a a different view of how we look at uh, overall security when it comes to the Internet of Things? You know, IoT security is sort of taking some fairly fundamental shifts uh, in interest, I'd say, here lately. You know, traditionally, our our concern with IoT security is just how they're becoming more interconnected uh, across the, the, the device ecosystem, where, like, my... My Apple Watch, for example, can now control a pretty large number of devices uh, in my home, and that Apple Watch goes with me when I go into work. 
And so, you know, our, our primary concern for IoT used to be focused on how do you secure that overall ecosystem? How do you make sure that that IoT device to IoT device, um, you know, security is protected, especially across vendors? And so the amount of vendor collaboration, the amount of uh, security agreement on standards is is paramount of, of, uh, of, of interest. Um, but but IoT security is now morphing into a whole new uh, stratosphere because of the fact that we now have bad guys who are taking advantage of exposures on what I would call fairly immature IoT uh, developed devices and compromising those devices and being able to use them for things like DDoS attacks and ransomware attacks and uh, you know more more traditional sort of uh, 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 hacking on the network and DDoS on the network. And and the concern with that is, you know, for example, you know, level three discovered a um, a botnet. Um, you know, one one was called Bashlet, Bashlight. One's called Mariah. Uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 1.5 to 1.6 million compromised IoT devices. And these are things like IP cameras, home routers, and DVRs. And so when you have, you know, a million and a half devices at your disposal. Um, the amount of damage that you can cause in the DDoS space now is is unprecedented. It, it is something that that we just have not seen in the industry before of something of that magnitude and that sort of uh, capability. And so, you know, IoT device security now means a lot more things. It's not only device ecosystem infrastructure, but it's the maturity of the device itself. And what I'll say as an example is, you know, a majority of the devices that we've detected in these botnets were developed for their core functionality. They they did not contemplate the overall sort of security ecosystem. So they have no ability to patch themselves. They have no ability for the vendor to push patch notifications. So a lot of these devices will unfortunately go go through a very long existence of never being patchable and therefore always being a potential compromise to uh, the internet uh, itself. So, you know, what, what we would recommend is you know, as a consumer of IoT to make sure that you are not deploying uh, insecure IoT devices is when you get an IoT device, make sure you change the password. Make sure you do not use vendor default passwords and make sure you don't use the same password across all your all your IoT devices. When bad guy breaks into one, he then would then have access to all of them. Do your research. Make sure that you um, you know buy a device that's a bit more re- from a vendor who's a bit more reputable. And the best way to make that determination, in my opinion, is to find someone who's what's called hub approved. So you know that's like a Wink Hub or an Apple Smart Home Hub, where the device has to interconnect with this hub provider because that hub provider has got security standards associated with things like encryption, authentication, and logging. And then the last one is is I'd recommend if you're deploying these either in your small business or in your home is to put them on a separate network uh, or at the very least create a guest uh, network so that when you invite people over to your home and you want to give them access uh, to the Internet, that uh, they do not have access to your uh, IoT devices and that, and that your IoT devices don't have access to uh, the rest of your home network devices. Good advice as always. Dale Drew, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 